It's a blessing to be here together to worship, to seek a deeper understanding of our God, our Father and Creator, our Savior, our King, and to understand who we are as we walk before God from day to day. About four months ago, we studied the subject of works and salvation. We talked about three different types of works that are very distinct. These are the man's own works, works of the gospel, and works of service that we do for our fellow man to serve God. And we noticed the characteristics of these different types of works. And it was our goal to go to the New Testament and look at verses that discuss works and salvation and be able to make a distinction about what type of works are being discussed. We also looked at three different phases of salvation. Justification being the first one, to be declared just. This happens at our conversion. The second phase is that of sanctification. This is to be set apart or to be made holy. This at least in one sense, describes our Christian life. Something that is an ongoing process. We who are Christians, justification's in the past. Right now, as we walk before God's sanctification, we're in the middle of that. And then the third level of salvation is that of glorification. And this simply means to be lifted to celestial glory. And we read about glorification, and it is referring to our final reward, our home in heaven. And so we also looked at passages that have works and that concept in them, and then salvation. And we, again, made sure that we were able to identify which level of salvation was being under discussion. And we were able, through that process to understand our journey from being a sinner before God, dead in our sin, to our heavenly home. And we saw that these three stages of salvation are all involved and they're all very important. This was substantiated by the verses that we looked at once they were broke down and once we brought all of the information regarding this and looked at it, so that we use the proper dividing of the Word of God. The purpose in doing that is to eliminate misunderstandings about salvation and about what God wants from us as His people. There is a misunderstanding that is very prevalent in the world today. And simply stated, this misunderstanding is, once we have faith in God then our home in heaven is guaranteed. And it really doesn't matter what happens between the moment we have faith in God because our reward in heaven is secure. This is taught and understood by many people as God's plan of salvation. That makes anything between the time we have faith in God and the time that we go to heaven inconsequential. It's insignificant. 
Anything in between these things are not a salvation issue. And that idea is forwarded in our world today, and that misunderstanding will lead us to the wrong conclusion about what God expects from us as we walk with Him through our Christian life. We can't buy this formula because it can't be borne out as we look at the whole picture that Scripture gives us. So we talked about justification, sanctification, glorification. And so today I want to take a closer look at this process of sanctification that's illustrated here by the red arrow. This starts at our conversion and it goes until the end of our life. And as we talk about things like sanctification, there's an idea that we want to introduce about this. If we look at this on the surface, it seems like a contradiction. Already, but not yet. Is that a a misspelling? Did we not get our sentence right? How can something already be and not yet be? It's a paradox. It's, it's a spiritual concept of Scripture that's borne out in this idea of sanctification. And as we look at more of these Scriptures, I believe that you'll be able to understand what we mean by this phrase. Hebrews 10, verse number 10, the writer of Hebrews makes this statement, By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Past tense. The writer tells these Christians that they had been set apart. Go down four verses to verse number 14. For by one offering He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So we said in one sense, sanctification is the process that happens throughout our life. So it is not yet. But look at this first verse. It's already happened with these Hebrew believers. Already, but not yet. In this process of salvation, we begin at conversion. Our conversion amounts to our faith which drives other actions in our life, that is to repent, to confess, and then to submit to Christ in the act of baptism. And when we're baptized, we conform to an image of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We've studied this often from Romans 6. Our old man is crucified, we go down into the waters of baptism, And at that point, we experience the most powerful substance in our universe. The only substance, the only element that can take our sins away and cause us to not be guilty before God anymore. That substance is the blood of Christ. We are baptized into His death. God takes our sin through the blood of Christ and He takes it away. Colossians 2, verse 12, it is an operation of God. So then we're resurrected out of baptism, and we are a new creation. 
This is the process of conversion that we read about in the Scriptures. And at this point of our conversion, conversion, when we come up as a clean, new creation, we have all of the blessings that are offered to people who are in Christ. We've been made free of our sin. We've been given a clear conscience. We have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We are set apart, certainly in one sense, because we were in the world, we were dead in our sin, and now we are alive in our sin. Romans 6, verses 17 and 18, You were the servants of sin, but you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and now you are the servants of righteousness. This is the conversion that we read about in the Bible. And at that point, we already have a standing with God. Not only are we a child of God, a disciple of God, we have everything that we need to walk forward in our Christian life. And that's what sanctification is. It starts from the time that we come up as a new creature and we begin to walk down this path toward God. God is there with us every step of the way. In fact, the blood, that power that takes away our sin in baptism, it continues with us through this process of sanctification. In 1 John 1, verses 7 through 9, we read this very instructive passage. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ. His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is light. So we must walk in the light. And I want you to know that we have three statements here that are conditional. When we read the word if and what follows and then we read a result, we see that when we comply with certain criteria, we receive a certain result. And so in verse 7 he says, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Here's that powerful element. No substitute anywhere for the blood of Christ. It cleansed us at baptism in the waters as we were baptized into the death of our Savior. But it continues to cleanse us going forward. Verse 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, another conditional statement, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now this is a negative conditional statement. We don't want to do this if, but if we take a notion that we don't have sin any longer, we establish faith in Christ, so what we do from here forward doesn't matter We're going to be in heaven regardless. 
It's not a salvation issue what happens in between. We can take our own course and we can do what we want to and God will follow our course and one day in eternity we will be in heaven. You see, that doesn't fit with what we read in the Scriptures. There's conditions to keep us on the pathway to heaven. That is this process of sanctification. Notice the third condition, if we confess our sins. A part of walking in the light is to understand that we're going to stumble. We're going to fall. We're still in our human state. We're still in a carnal body. When we complete our conversion and we're right with God, we are a spiritual infant. We desire the sincere milk of the Word that we can grow. We seek to mature spiritually because that is the process of sanctification. That is God's will for the life of those who are going to follow Him. Not that we take off on our own course. Not that we do what we want to do. But God expects us to walk in the light, to acknowledge our sin, to repent of that sin when we stumble and fall as a Christian, and to confess that sin, to get back up and get back on the path that's leading us to heaven. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins. This is not talking about justification. This is talking about the second stage or phase of our salvation. It's speaking about sanctification. What is our security? When we obey the gospel and we become a child of God, we deny self, we take up the cross and we follow Christ, do we have security with God? We certainly do. That security is stated right here in these three verses. If we stay committed to God, if we work to be on the path that we should be, even in our mistakes, we have the power of the blood of Christ that will take us through this period of sanctification and we will receive that home in heaven. But this is God's plan, not something else that men may state or may promote through other religion. What happens if we walk away from walking in the light? If there's walking in the light, there's also walking in the darkness. Is it possible to be converted and start the process of sanctification and then to willfully sin, to willfully walk away from God, to stop the process of maturity, of growth, of working to be all that God would have us to be? Is it possible that God puts us on that potter's wheel and He begins to form us into a vessel that is meat for the Master's use and then we refuse to be formed? We decide we want to be who we want to be not who God wants us to be, and our, prior, our pride rears its head, and we walk our own path. It's not only possible, it's verified in Scripture that people did this. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. One example of a character in the New Testament that 
walked away. Here we have in Hebrews 5, verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Sometimes we can get on this pathway to sanctification, and we can stop the growth process. We're taking in the milk of the Word, and we're seeking to mature where we can endure solid food, get closer to the image of who God wants us to be, and we stop. Rather than growing, we begin to regress, and that's what had happened here. These people should, through the time they had been seeking after God, they should have been able to teach others again. But Paul, or the writer of Hebrews says, you've come to need milk again, not solid food. We need to live up to the image that God sets in us at our recreation. At the point of our conversion, when we complete that process, God sees us as completely clean, a person that He loves and cares for, and who's going to work to be more who He wants us to be. And that should be our goal through this process of sanctification. All the way through the process, God's grace... His mercy and His love is with us. This is not about us doing it all. This is not about some set of of criteria where we check off boxes and we become perfected because of our own abilities. We humbly serve God and He molds us. He helps us be who we need to be through the grace, mercy, and love, the work of the Holy Spirit through His Word. This process is made possible because of God, not because of us. But we do have a role in it. We do have our part to play, and that's made very, very clear in these various verses. We're only going to touch a few verses this morning about already, not yet. Because we read many, many times where Christians were told that they were sanctified at that point. But then we read many other verses that talk about not yet. Here's another example. We look at 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 2. The writer being Paul, he says to the church at God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Call to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Who's Paul talking to? Number one, the Christians at Corinth. But he's talking to you and me right now. Because he also addresses this to all who in every place call upon the name of Jesus. All who have faith and are converted into Christ We are, in a sense, sanctified already. Penned to another group of Christians by the same author, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. 
And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Already? Not yet. Their sanctification was not complete. These Thessalonian Christians had a misunderstanding. If you look at the context there, they believed that Christ was going to immediately return. Those Christians were already divesting their property and making plans to be leaving this earth because they thought Christ was going to come immediately. But Paul is teaching them through this letter that that's not the case. We go through our conversion and then there is a period of testing, of growth, of of maturing, a period of sanctification. And what does God ask to do for these people that had that misunderstanding? He said that He He asked God to sanctify them completely. To be preserved blameless until when? The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The last day started with the first coming of Christ. In His incarnation and in His death, burial, and resurrection, this process began at that point. The last days will end when Christ comes again. When there's a great resurrection, at that point, we will enjoy the glorification of the saints if we have remained faithful until that point in time. So we have already sanctified and we have not yet. Well, let's think about Paul's journey, this journey of salvation that that we're talking about this morning. Paul wrote 28% of the New Testament. In addition to that, a big part of the book of Acts is written as a history to Paul. And as a part of that history, we can understand exactly the journey that Paul traveled. It began on the road to Damascus. Before that, he was an enemy to God. But on the road to Damascus, Christ revealed Himself to Paul. At that point, his faith started. He was blind. He was led into the city of Damascus. He fasted and prayed for three days, wanting to determine what God was asking of him. This was his conversion. He showed fruits of repentance as he fasted and prayed. He confessed, Who are you, Lord, on the road to Damascus? And so when Ananias came to him in Acts 22, verse 16, he was commanded to take that last step of submission that completes the process of conversion. Ananias said, And and now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Paul still had his sins. He wasn't set apart before his baptism, but at the point of his baptism, these sins were taken away by that powerful, powerful blood of Jesus Christ. Paul moved forward from there in his Christian walk. Was his walk complete? At his point of baptism, did he stop on following the course of God or did he continue through a process of sanctification? Read his words with me 
Now that I have, not that I have already attained or am ready, already perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is very clear. I have not attained. I have not apprehended. I'm reaching forward. Why would he be reaching forward? Because he understood this element of sanctification. We've been reading a lot of the verses that he wrote about it. He understood how it worked. He started at conversion, but he still had things yet to do. I want you to notice some of these phrases. I have not attained. I have not apprehended. I'm reaching forward to those things that are ahead. I press for what? The goal for the prize. Paul often used a race as a metaphor for the Christian life. He said we had to run that race. And when we completed that race, we received the prize. Paul hadn't received the prize here. He had already been committed to God. He had already served as an apostle to the Gentiles. He had started that work. It wasn't complete. He said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Already? Back in Acts twenty-two sixteen, but not yet. Here's another statement that Paul made. But I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. What would disqualify Paul? What does he mean by this statement? He hasn't yet completed the process of sanctification. He could step away from God's plan for him. He could walk out of the light into the darkness. And he said, I watch myself, I discipline myself, so that I do not become disqualified. Do you think you and I could be disqualified? in this process of our Christian life, in this process of, of sanctification, believe that we cert certainly could. We spoke earlier about stepping off of the path of sanctification and going elsewhere. And here's the verse, For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Paul understood that. He understood it in his own life. He understood it in the life of others. And he wrote all of these different ideas about already, not yet, to try to explain to people and to get them to see the importance of each level of this journey that we take from serving Satan to serving God and completing that process of servitude. Here's some more words from Paul. Okay, we, we heard from him back in Acts 22 in the beginning. We've talked about some things in the middle. What did he say at the end? 
For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved His appearing. So we fast forwarded. We're all the way at the end of Paul's life. And now he has a different perspective. He's not reaching forward like he was back in Philippians 3. He's come to that spot. He's, his life is going to be over in very short order. He says, I've finished that race. He says, there's a crown laid up for me. That prize that he was seeking and reaching forward for is now within reach. At his death, he knew that he would have finished that course, that sanctification would be complete, and that on the day of resurrection that he would receive that crown. Who's going to give us that crown? The judge, Jesus Christ. And this is the complete journey and the picture of what the Bible shows us we need to do from start to end so that we can be in heaven. There's other words or terms or concepts where already, not yet applies. And here's one of those other ones that we read about in the Bible. And it's the work of the gospel. We turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and we want to look at these four verses and we want to notice that in this short passage, Paul defines what the gospel is. He does that in verses 3 and 4. He says it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We've already talked about how we obey a form of that or submit to a form of that. So he's talking about the facts of the gospel. We come back to verse number 1 and he makes some statements that were in the past tense. These things had already happened and he mixes those through the reading here. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So Paul's addressing some things about the gospel that were in the past for the Corinthians. He had come to them. He had preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That had already happened. They had received that message. In receiving that message, it's inferred that they had obeyed the message. They had been converted into Christ. He said, I preached to you unless you believed in vain. This is another one of those contingency type things. He says... What happened in the past is going to go forward into the future unless you believed in vain. Unless that belief was not deep enough to carry you into the process of sanctification to carry you to the end. And then in that case, in that condition, you believed in vain. So these were the things about the gospel that had already happened. Now he talks about the things that were presently the case. I declare to you the gospel. 
He was doing that by the very writing of this letter. And he said, you stand in that gospel in which you stand. They had obeyed it previous. Right now they're standing in it. And he says, by which also you are saved. I believe that word saved is talking about the whole process. From the time they obeyed the gospel to the current time and they were standing in the gospel at that time. What about the future? Remember the conditional word, if? What we already said, if you hold fast, you will gain the reward if you hold fast to the word unless you've believed in vain. These ideas are woven through these verses, even ones that we're very familiar with. Already, now, not yet. I want to look at three other terms that this concept applies to. We're going to look at a term, then we're going to look at a verse that talks about it already being there, and then we're going to look at a verse that says not yet. So the first of those terms is this word adoption. We read in Romans 8 verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received, past tense, the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Immediately when we come out of the waters of baptism, we have a Father in heaven that we did not have before. We can cry to Him, Abba, Father. We have a mediator, a Savior, that's there as our advocate to speak on our behalf with our Father in heaven. In that way, we are a child of God. If you're a Christian here today, if you've obeyed the gospel, that adoption is already in your life. Romans 8, verse 23, Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Here's an adoption not yet. The same word used in the same chapter, but it's being used in a different sense. The adoption that occurred, occurred at our conversion is going to be replicated in a second re- resurrection at the end of our sanctification, and we will have an adoption that will be perfected. We will be with our God and our Savior in heaven for eternity. Maybe in a sense, right now, we have a foster father in heaven. We're adopted, but there's an adoption coming in the future that is complete, that is perfect, that we all are working in the direction of. Redeemed. Already, first. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. We have that. Not yet, Ephesians 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is a type of seal on us that 
allows us to understand our security of salvation. That salvation is going to come in a glorification after a while that we don't understand at this point. We have part of it. We already have redemption. Redemption means to be freed, set free. We certainly have that today as Christians, but it's coming in the future in a way that is very difficult for us to understand now. Raised, Ephesians 2, 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Raised, past tense. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, will be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Here's that first resurrection out of the waters of baptism to be a child of God, to complete the justification process. Here in 1 Corinthians 15 is the second resurrection where we will be resurrected We'll be given a new body like the one that Christ has and we will go on to our reward in heaven. I want you to think about the church, the kingdom of God. When Christ spoke to Peter and the other apostles in Matthew chapter 16, He said, I will build my church. The next verse, he said, I will give the keys to the kingdom. He used church and kingdom interchangeably. This is in verse 18 and 19 of Matthew 16. So Christ came to this earth to fulfill a mission to establish a church. While He walked this earth, that church was in the future. Every passage referencing the church or the kingdom before Acts 2 points ahead to the church. Every verse after Acts 2 speaks of the kingdom and the church being in existence. Acts 2, Peter preached the first gospel sermon. Verse number 41, they were added to this church, almost 3,000 at that point in time. There's no doubt the church is here. It's in existence. We have it already. Paul said in Colossians 1, verse 13, he included himself. He talked about being conveyed into the kingdom of his love. We're a part of that kingdom today. Already. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father when He puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power. There's coming a day when the church is going to be perfected, completed, in a sense. God is going to, Christ is going to take His precious bride, the church, and He's going to deliver it back to God. And there's going to be a not yet about the church in the future that is going to be most glorious. Is the church glorious today? Certainly. In so many ways. We stated earlier, 
as a part of the church, we receive all of the blessings of God. We have all of the tools that we need to walk through this life. A glorious church already, and yet even more glorious to come. Concept already, not yet. Here's a couple of real big words that mean exactly what we've been talking about this morning. Inaugurated eschatology. Inaugurated means first things, the launch of things. Eschatology is the study of the last things. And the reality is the Bible covers that whole time frame. And the Bible mixes together for us what we already have in the beginning what we have right now at our disposal and what we can expect in last times. And when we understand this correctly and we apply it correctly in our life, we can see the importance of our walk with God every day. Are we growing? Are we maturing? As we sin and stumble, are we making decisions to repent, which is critical all the way through sanctification? You know, sometimes we talk about repentance as a part of the gospel, and then we kind of forget it going forward. But it's something we have to do every day. We need to be changing from who we were to who God wants us to be every day. That has to be our focus. That has to be our goal. When we see we're not doing that correctly, we need to repent. We need to confess. We need to move back on to the proper path, and we need to keep honoring God with the way that we walk with Him every day. Not faith at one point in time and Guaranteed heaven, no matter what we do? No. Faith that leads through the steps of conversion. Sanctification that leads us from this point to the end of our life. The process of salvation. Do we understand it? Do we respect it? Today, where are we along this journey? Have you been justified? Have you been made right with God? If you hadn't, you still have your sin. You need to make a change. You need to follow the pattern that we have taught this morning, and you need to obey the gospel. We are ready and willing to help you with that. As you obey the gospel, you need to understand what is happening. You need to have faith in the operation of God that takes place in baptism, but then you need to rise up a new creature and you need to set your goal on the prize that is heaven and never lose sight of that goal and live your life in that light, walking in the light. If you've been justified, if you're a child of God, where are you in this journey of sanctification? Have you stopped along the way? Are you growing like you need to? Are you going backwards instead of forwards? We need to be objective. We need to be honest. 
if we're not walking through sanctification as the Scriptures teach us we must, we need to make those changes as well. If we can help you with responding to the Gospel, if we can help you through the prayers of the church, we would invite you to come forward as we stand and sing the Song of Invitation.